When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning to you. Breakfast with Pat and Heels on this Thursday, the 22nd of February. Oh, Heels, you're in Bundy today. You've been hanging around with all the uh, uh, our great cricketers. What were they calling it? The wonder in Wellington, the chaos at the Cake <laughs> 10. What was it? What was it? Oh, well, it was all those. Uh, there was nothing uh, labelled here in Bundaberg, but at the Bagara Hotel, we had half of the trophy. We had Greg Chappell. He was oh, watching really? his own, yeah, his own trophy uh, to to look out for, um, and he he loved it. He, he you know he was sitting here in in my motel room. I'm rooming with him. Yep. Remember, this is back to the scene of the Cameron Smith crime where he stole my phone charger. Exactly right. right. Yes. So I got Greg Chapel to look out for this year. <laughs> now, now, and we we're watching yesterday afternoon, having just got here in time to watch the start of the game, and he's going, oh, you can hear him on the couch going, oh. Oh no! Like all the shots that were being played by Ravin, Ratch and Ravindra, and and uh, you know all the bowlers all day copped it, uh, bar a couple. Yeah, well we're here for Burbank Homes, the builder you can trust, that you can bank on Burbank Homes, and Hyundai, the all new Hyundai Kona N line, they're fabulous. Thirteen, thirteen, fifty-five is that SunCorp Home Resilience Open line, and I tell you what, our listeners have got off to a big start. Heels oh four six seven seven three six seven three six is our text line. Brett's already been on the line. Just driving through the north side, there's a lot of sheepskin Ugg boots being put out for your man, Cuzzy, after last night's <laughs> T20 thoughts go out to Cuzzy. Oh, I don't know whether you really mean that, Brett. Uh, I reckon Cuzzy could be selling the Ugg boots to cover his gambling losses from last oh. night. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would have been up and about when they, when they were taking it to our bowlers. Like mm. Zampa, you know, three overs for 42, I reckon he, he went for. Uh, it, was, it was extraordinary hitting uh, by a team that, were more workmanlike than the power of Australia, but gee, they got a they posted a great total, and Australia. That's how Australia won a bat in T20. They they didn't even use Matt Short. They still had him up there, Slee. Mm. Well, it was the seventh highest score that Australia has conceded in the format. New Zealand three for two hundred and fifteen. Ravindra, who just oozes class at w- whatever level he plays at, whether at white ball and red, he hit six sixes, sixty eight or thirty five. Devon Conway, sixty three or forty six. Mitch Marsh, at one for twenty one off three. So he was the revelation. He was the only Aussie bowler to concede less than nine and over. So we're set two sixteen. We needed four from the last ball. What a finish. First game of the Chapel. Hadley comes down to this. The last ball. Four runs needed. The flames burst above the side screens at the respective ends. Tim Southey up against Tim Davids. Right hand quick against right hand batsman. David hits powerfully to the onside. Into a gap. He's won the game. Tim Davids. A brilliant, brilliant cameo at the end. Alongside his heroic captain, Mitch Marsh, who's put on a clinic himself at seven sixes. But Tim Davids, 
has come in and slammed the door on New Zealand's face. An Australia win with a last ball thriller at Sky Stadium. The Chapel Hadley is here with a bang. Australia get home. Yep, what a finish. Uh, Tim David, 31 off 10, so batting at 310. Mitch Master star, 72 or 44. So he obviously was man of the match for those fine bowling figures, coupled with the 72 or 44. And as they mentioned in that little bit of commentary, Hills, seven sixes. There were 30 sixes hit in the match, <laughs> which is just phenomenal, isn't it? Yes, and uh, we'll probably hear Mitchell Santner talk about it, but um, talk about Mitch Marsh just mishitting sixes. It's it's an incredible piece of power that he that he is the Bison, um, because the K10 is not not the smallest ground, and and they're going to the smallest grounds now of the Eden Park for two games, uh, Friday night, Sunday night. Okay. So wow, that's gonna you know, and sometimes that become that is your undoing. You you overplay the short boundaries, whereas these guys any boundary is pretty short, so they just need to play normally. What about Lockie Ferguson in the New Zealand bowling figures? Paddy, did, did you have a look at that? I can. <laughs> no, I got it. He's four overs, one for 23. How good is that? And he's on a losing side when, when everyone else is going for 13, 13, 10 and a half, 10 and a half for his safety. So he kept it incredibly uh, economical and he bowled the second last over which meant Tim Southey uh, had that last over to bowl. And it was a bit of a um, scramble for the Aussie batsmen in the first bit. And they needed they needed 12 off three balls. My goodness. Um, what about in the 17th over? This is what all the teams that we would have been talking about in the dressing rooms. They got the wicket of Josh Inglis. And he was our slowest batsman. He was batting at 100. So 20 off 20. And Mitch Santner got him out. And that enabled Tim David to come in. And then he did. Thir- he got 31 off 10 yeah. and uh, won, us, won us the match. So I wonder if they, if they didn't get that wicket, might have even been better. Yeah, well, needless to say, the Aussie skipper was uh, pretty happy. Yeah, I think that's probably it's one of our key themes as a batting unit um, is really just trusting everyone's ability and um, everyone goes about it differently. But I want blokes to come out and, and play freely and um, win us games, but just go out there and, and play their way. So um, I think we saw that tonight right down the list. And um, I've said it probably too many times now, but Tim David. <laughs> yeah, um, and he doesn't want. He, he admitted that. You know, maybe we don't need that sort of tension at a World Cup. I don't think we want to win too many games like that um, throughout the World Cup, but um, I think, yeah, amazing game of cricket and uh, a special talent there at the end to get us over the line and be so calm in Tim David. Uh, from the moment he came out, he was really calm. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, what he wanted to do, sorry. Um, and I think he's just learn, learning and learning over the last two years. You've seen him dominate T20 comps around the world and for him to come onto the international stage and I guess feel at home playing for Australia. Um, especially watching, very proud of him. Yep, it was. Yeah. Uh, I've only caught up with some of the highlights, Hills, because uh, as you know, I was uh, rubbing shoulders with Australian sporting royalty last night. And yes. I had a wonderful night um, at, a, at a function that I uh, had to sit down and interview Cathy Freeman for the best part of an hour. And it was yeah, it was so much fun. She's, she hasn't right changed on. a bit. I mean, I could have been doing that same interview 30 years ago. Yeah. She's shy. She's humble. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think she realises how much potency she has on Australia's sporting stage. Well, you and I have mentioned it before. When they came in in the middle of the World Cup when the Matildas were the hottest ticket in town, the, the biggest thing in Australian sport for many a long year, 
And uh, Tony Gustafson had a team meeting, and then he said, I've got a special guest. And in walks Kathy Freeman, and the likes of Sam Kerr were reduced to giggling schoolgirls, if I can use that. They just loved it. I've, I've, I've spoken to Courtney Vine since, and she said, that was one of the highlights of my life when Kathy yes. Freeman walked in to wow. have a chat to the team. Did I you get Kathy night. down her memory lane at all? Like, what, what oh, are yeah, her she, memories yeah. as a young athlete? You know, outside of the 2000 memories, yep. you know, any Olympic um, moments in general stand out for her? Oh, 96, yeah, when she, when she was beaten by Perec and she, look, there was a little bit of a war of words between her and the great French woman. And uh, Perec beat her by 0.38 in one of the, what they're calling possibly the greatest 400 flat final in women's athletics history, and Kathy just got beaten. But Perec gained a brand new admiration for the young Australian then. And, of course, Perec stormed out of Sydney, as we know, in 2000, claiming she was victimised. But I don't think she was in the sort of shape that was going to beat Kathy in right Sydney. Eh? But, yeah, all about the lead-up. and You know, lighting the being asked to light the flame, just extra pressure on her shoulders. So yes. I, I had a fun night catching up with her. Uh, I was doing interviews with her when she was a little kid. And they said, uh, keep keep an eye out on this little runner from uh, Mackay. Yeah. He's going to be something special. Which what about, was. and so do you think, you know, I think you do, but do you think she's coped well with all those achievements and for such a shy legend? Yeah. And, you know, and all the things she's had to do to maintain that status? Yeah, look, she's. I, I think she's maintained, and I said it last night, she's maintained a, a, like a dignified privacy for someone who's, you know, mm. you've got to put her in the Dawn Fraser category, you know, as a national treasure. There's there's yeah. no doubt about that for, for what she's achieved. Only seven Australian women have won track gold medals in, you yes. know, in, in the history. Uh, so, yeah, she, she holds a very, very special place. And, you know, we kept talking about the 112,000 people that were there that night. It was the biggest crowd in Olympic history, in Olympic <laughs> stadium history. And I, I drew the comparison, and again, we've talked about this before, but, you know, you go to an AFL grand final, so Collingwood Lions last year, 100,000 at the G, and pretty much mm. sort of draw a line, maybe 60 Collingwood, 40% Lions. This night, I reckon there was about 2,000 people cheering for someone other than Freeman. So the noise that that stadium made when she hit the lead on the turn and started to take control of the race... Uh, and she said last night, she said, you know, I was surprised that I didn't feel anyone at my shoulder. They weren't coming at me. And she said, I, I felt like I was having an out-of-body body experience at about the 70-metre mark and just raced away. It was uh, oh, it was great fun wow. to chat to. It was, you know, she said I had the, the old wind beneath the wings. But, uh, yeah, good fun I, night. I think... I think that night, Paddy, that was Tatiana too, wasn't it? Yeah, there was maybe Jai Tarima. Yeah, and Michael Johnson. They, they yeah. held up Michael Johnson's race because Kathy was still completing formalities of laps of honour and things like that. So not many, not many hold the, the great man up, but she did that night. It was, yeah. it was one of the great nights. But yeah, look, it will long live in my sporting memory. It's probably the, the greatest night that I've ever been involved in. Of course, I got to interview and I, I got to chat to her last night. So it was wonderful to have her back home. And you know what? Uh, I'll let no. you into a little secret. She obviously, with the company that brought her up here, she could have pretty much had her choice of five- and six-star accommodation in Brisbane. She stayed in the spare room at Mum's place last night. <laughs> right, eh? Well, did we know Mum was up here in Brisbane? Yeah, Cecilia lives here, yeah. yeah. yeah so she, uh, she, was, she was with Mum last night, which I just thought was fantastic. Uh, the Olympic champ was sitting there. Hey, uh, Cuzzy, here we go. Brilliant match. Australia deserved their victory. New Zealand were brave, but just not good enough. So... Mm. 
Humble. A little bit like Kathy Freeman. Humble <laughs> this morning from uh, Cars. <laughs> and Cars, well, we'll ask all our, our listeners, what were the tactics in that last over right? Um, one, to have Tim Southey on um, and then... Two, to I mean, they'd kept the first three balls of the over reasonably tight. Did he change much to to go four 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 at the end? Well, six. That mm. he hit a head high six, and and just went flat straight over the rope. Mm. Hey, we've got lots coming up. Uh, Titans uh, for Jamin Jolliffe, who's a great friend of the show. He's going to uh, chat through us this morning. New Zealand cricket legend Chris Harris will stop by to talk about last night's epic match. Timmy Horan is going to preview the Super Rugby season for us. And Brett Crusher Murray, of course, from Speed Cafe, great friends of the show as well, will preview the start of the Supercars season. He's got some exciting things happening. Vanessa's walked in. She can barely fit into the studio because of the Titans merch. I'm a bit overwhelmed by all the flags and the posters and the caps. It's well, let me tell exciting. you why. Because it's Gold Coast Titans membership day and SEN listeners are getting an exclusive GC Titans deal for one day only. Today only, score a Queenslander membership for just 59 bucks. You can see the Titans take on the Dolphins, the Cows and the Bronx. So all the derbies at Seabar Super Stadium this year for less than $20 a game. In addition to this, one person who purchased a, a Queenslander membership on Thursday will win two buy tickets to the State of Origin 3, to State of Origin 3 at Suncorp Stadium. So we've declared it Titans Members Day here at SEN, and that's why you're surrounded by the merch. I love the Tino bobblehead. Yes, yeah. We've, but oh, Paddy's we've, just yeah. pointed out, mullet and all. <laughs> <laughs> so and, what's happening out Okay, there? back to some serious news now. Um, the RACQ is is urging Queenslanders to just take some extra precautions in our homes. $6 million worth of property was stolen from homes across Queensland last year. The highest frequency break-ins happen in the south side and inner Brisbane. So they're saying just make sure you lock your doors and windows. Don't leave that spare key anywhere obvious. Try and get a security system. Ask neighbours to take your bins in and out when you're away because these uh, robberies are really on the rise. That links into today. Day in court, two teenagers will be sentenced. They were for the violent home invasion on Wallaby's great Tutai Kefu. Remember how that happened back in 2021 mm. on his Cooparoo home? He and his family all suffered some really serious injuries in that home invasion. So two teenagers due to be sentenced today. Now, also landlords across Queensland are being warned to install smoke alarms as per new regulations brought in in Queensland a few years years ago. Yesterday, for the first time in quite a rare move, a landlord was issued a notice to appear in court over a fatal house fire on Russell Island. That was late last year where a dad and his five young children were killed in that house fire on Russell Island. So yes, it is the first time that a landlord has actually been uh, committed to appear in court for not uh, actually installing smoke alarms as per the regulations. So that is definitely one to uh, remember and make sure you are on top of. And look, after weeks of speculation, mm. it is reported this morning, Travis Kelsey is on his way. So the jet's wow. on the way from Hawaii. Apparently. Now, he, hasn't, he hasn't stopped at sunset because it's finals day at no, the Sunset Pro has, this morning. Look, he's been such a busy guy. He's been seen playing golf in Las Vegas. He then went to um, Malibu. He was in Los Angeles, went to um, Malibu. He's been to Hawaii and then apparently he's been picked up by the private jet 
and is on his way to Australia just in time for Taylor Swift's shows in Sydney. There's been a few hints. He did say on his podcast with his brother that he wouldn't be with his brother in person to record the next episode, that he was heading to an island. So that's a a big clue there. Um, And, yeah, so apparently he is in the air on his way and will be in Sydney. Oh, look at the excitement mount. Mm. (laughs) Travis on his way. But doesn't she go straight to Singapore after this? So there's unlikely to be the Queensland holiday that we're all anticipating (laughs) now. Look, they should, I don't know, postpone the shows or something because, yes, how could she not want to come to beautiful Queensland? Get up to them with Sundays, Tay-Tay. I know. Just, you know, (laughs) hop on a private island up there. There's plenty there. Just have a little getaway. (laughs) Mm. They deserve it, these two. They've been so busy. I think he's holidayed out by the sound of it. (laughs) Um, Now, Hills, a little cheap shot here from Fleggy. Uh, heels, you're right. Poor tactics. New Zealand should have bowled underarm. Oh. <laughs> you're very careless here. You're in the bin. <laughs> Fleggy, you're in the bin. It's so a, how do you spell Fleggy? Uh, F-L-E-G-Y. Yes, right. So I thought it was Fleggy the other day, yeah. but that might be just New Zealand. Fleggy. Fleggy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so a, we, had, we had someone here in Bagara last night come up in his New Zealand shirt yeah. and to, like gets in front of Greg Chappell and says, you know, you know, you, know, you, you ready, fellas? And and he bowled an underarm ball. <laughs> he, he produced a ball and it went underarm right past Greg, right? So we went, oh, oh good one, mate. Haven't seen that before. And, I said, and we said, did you watch the game? No. He didn't even watch the game of cricket. <laughs> Well, it's 6.21 and, uh, yes, we've got plenty plenty of opportunity for you to join us today. That's Suncorp Home Resilience Overline 13, 13, 55. Text us 0467 736 736. Vanessa, thank you. Let's uh, chat a little bit of racing now. Racing action continues right across the Sunshine State. Check out racingqueensland.com.au for where Queensland is racing today. I'll tell you where they're racing today. They're racing at Kilcoy and uh, we've got SEN's favourite jockey, Sam Collett joining us. Sam, good morning to you. <laughs> morning, guys. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Now, um, this is not something I would normally ask a young lady, but how's your weight? <laughs> My weight? Well, I'm a finely tuned athlete, mm-hmm. so it's pretty good. Well, <laughs> given that's the case, I know you've got a pretty busy book at Kilcoy this afternoon. If the weight's fine, you can tuck into the greatest steak sandwiches in the world at Kilcoy this afternoon <laughs> after you finish work. Yeah, well, that's what they tell me. I'm actually yet to enjoy one of their steak singers, so <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have to get them to pre-make me one before I go because normally by the time I finish, they've all closed up and there's no le- none left for us hungry, starving jockeys. No, well, get Bart Sinclair to grab uh, you one. He'll find you one. Hey, <laughs> what are the female jockey rooms like at Kilcoy, Sam? Oh, if I'm honest, there's not much room there. you uh, you got to sort of jostle for a spot, but when you're a senior like myself, you just sort of move everybody's bag and place yourself where you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, I mean, we are in the middle of girl power right at the moment. From Eagle Farm last week, uh, uh, last Saturday, CJ with a couple, Georgina Cartwright, Anne Jones, you on uh, the, the occasional heartbreak horse, Iron Grace, which I've got to say, Sam, I had a little bit of cash on and you just weaved your way into space up the straight. It was a brilliant ride. Yeah, thank you. It was really good to get a result with her because as, you know, as you alluded to, she's been a, a heartbreak horse at times. Um, all last prep, things just never went 
right for her. She wasn't able to hold a sort of close enough spot in running to really be competitive and then found trouble. But everything worked out really well on Saturday. She drew well. I was able to, you know, be that spot closer. And we saw had a few traffic problems up the straight. Um, I didn't think I was going to get there probably until the last little bit, but she hit the line, you know, really strongly. And hopefully that's the start of, you know, her having a, a lot more of um, a luck-filled um, prep this time in. And another good yes. winner yesterday. Uh, it's Jerry. I watched it's this Jerry. Ride. I think we had yeah. Jamaldi tip to us too, Sam. So you got over the line there. <laughs> yeah, he worked super on um, Saturday. It's Jerry. Um, and the, he had the luxury of 53. Obviously, he bounced from the wide draw and was able just to dominate from her front, which can um, certainly help at Ipswich, especially with the rail. It can be quite tricky to make up ground, but he never gave me any impression. He, you know, he wasn't going to attack the line. He, I had plenty of horse underneath me, and um, I think he's going to put another one together pretty soon too. Wow. Um, like February uh, seems a little quiet in the industry. Would it be, uh, Sam, and if it is, how do you beat that quietness? Oh, I don't know. If it's been quiet, then I've missed it. But <laughs> right, eh? I think we were looking at the calendar the other day, and I think our next Sunday off isn't until the 28th of April, so... Oh, I mean, really? I don't have much of a social life as is, so, um, yeah. I suppose there's a couple of quiet weeks here and there, but, um, yeah, it's just, it just seems like it is never-ending some, somewhere. Yeah, well, it just maybe just lower profile that, that an outsider feels is, you know, not the case at the moment. It's leading up to more campaigns through the year. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, we're obviously off the back of, um, you know, the Gold Coast Carnival, got the jewel coming up, and then sort of a little bit of a quiet period again before that big winter carnival starts up. But it certainly is busy enough if you want to be busy. Um, it sort of just depends, mm. I guess. So like you say, there's races at Kilcoy today, and uh, quite often, you know, we'll have a Friday meeting at the Sunshine Coast tomorrow, but we've got tomorrow off. But, um, yeah, that's all right. I'll be enjoying it. Yeah, so right <laughs> and, and- I guess today the time for your steak sandwich is between race five and nine. You're you're in three, five, and nine, aren't you? Yeah, that's it. Three, four, five. I picked that one in six as well. So three, four, five, six, oh. and nine. So yeah, I might have to sneak there between races six and nine. Hey, I know you've spoken about this before, but have you done any research on the fact that Mum, Dad, and you? have now all ridden a 1,000-plus winners. I know this happened a while back, but surely that's a world first. As I understand it, as I haven't looked into it any further, I know that Danielle Johnson and her dad both rode 1,000 winners, but I'm not sure if it's been done mother, um, father and daughter. So if anyone's, you know, got some time on their hands and wants to look into that, maybe it could be some kind of world record. They might make a plaque or a statue of us somewhere. <laughs> I'm certain. I'm certain. Cousy, one of our great listeners, will help do that. Hey, look, we just wanted. To, we just wanted the court to say you're on a nice run at the moment. It's going well. You've got a busy day at uh, at Kilcoy this afternoon, and uh, it's all going beautifully. And of course, we love your input here on SEN as well. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, it's always nice to be uh, yeah to feel wanted and to be going well. Because you know, when the phones are not ringing, it's a bit sad. Yep. No, oh, well, your good. phone won't stop ringing, believe me. Good luck, hey, Sam. Yeah. Well done, and thanks for chatting to us this morning. All right, thanks, guys. Sam Collett. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.
What I wanted to do right now, Heels, is bring in one of our finest young budding sports stars because we know and we've been plugging it all the way through the last month or so. The UCI BMX World Cup is right here in Brisbane, 24 and 25 of Feb. So we're only a couple of days away. Uh, out there at the Sleeman Centre, Brisbane SX, it's a fabulous facility. Still time to get your tickets. Get the kids out there. They're going to have a ball where they'll see this young star, Jesse Asmus uh, from uh, Narang. A lot of hype around this uh, this BMX event out there. Mm. The, the world's best are in town. Very entertaining, I would have thought, too. The way they drive those little bikes around. Like how <laughs> little are the BMX bikes compared to the size of Jesse and all the posts and videos I've, I've looked at. He's not a rising star. He's there. So yeah. he's just making his way into the elite bracket now. And it's not easy for them, as I said, because they basically have to travel the world to you know pursue fame and fortune. Um, but this is a rare chance. He gets the chance to compete at home. Uh, we're just trying to get him back on the line uh, right at the moment. But as I said, it's this weekend. It's the UCI BMX World Cup right here in Bris Vegas, 24-25 of Feb, and it's out there at that Sleeman Centre, the uh, Brisbane Essex, so you can get your tickets there. We, we've got Jesse now. Uh, we just dropped out. Jesse, uh, good morning to you, and thanks for joining us. Good morning. Sorry, I think there was a few uh, problems with my service, so I was just dropping in and out just now. Hey, as I said in the intro beforehand, I mean, pretty much with this sport, you've got to apply your trade, you know, worldwide. So this is a rare privilege for you, isn't it, to get to compete in front of your home fans effectively? Oh, man, this is this is honestly like a dream come true. Last year, I had, um, I think I went to all these World Cup rounds and not a single one was probably... 20 hours flying distance. It was all like, yeah, at least 20 hours of flying. I had to go to Argentina and France and like all those different places. And then to have one literally like 30 minutes from my house, sleeping in my, like I get to sleep in my own bed. It's just honestly like probably the best thing that could happen. And I think New Zealand was only a couple of weeks away too, so that is, has made it even easier. Uh, Jesse, you you, uh, you were very happy with your performance in New Zealand. What did you like about it? It was a bronze medal in the um, was it in the elite um, yeah elite bronze medal, uh, and you've talked um, nicely about it. Yeah, no, it was definitely it was definitely a good result. I believe that was Ollie Moran that was in the on the third got third on that day but still all of us he was australian as well so i can it's i can right take that i like i like seeing my, my um, fellow competitors getting good results as well but um no it was definitely a really good race that one was an awesome one too being nice and close as well almost felt like a home world cup as well I, and um yeah that was that race was good this is a family affair for you is it just talk us through the family involvement in your career so for my i've got two brothers and two sisters and um, we've all raced BMX pretty much. Well, I've been racing for about 20, 20 years now nearly or around 18, 19 years and throughout that my whole family has pretty much done it with me so a lot of long car rides together a lot of good family bonding time going to races times where you get good results and times where you don't you've got to deal with it as a family so it's like for me, this sport's been something where I've been able to grow closer to my family. And, yeah, it's been, for me, it's like, it's awesome. I still get to do that. My whole family's coming and watching me this weekend. It's like, I'm pretty excited for it. Now, is, is it true that mum's a race caller? So does she get a little bit biased if she's calling your races? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I don't. Sorry if there's any background noise. You're um, right. I don't think she's got any bias. I think she she usually doesn't commentate when it's my race normally. If there's someone else there, she'll normally ask if it's a big event and a big race. Normally she'll ask if one of the other commentators are able to do it for her so she can stand and go and do what she needs to do when I'm racing. You know, your other brother and your two sisters, were they older? And how did it start so early for you? You must have been four or five, were you? Uh, yeah, I was three years old, and I have <laughs> um, two older brothers. So both of them, um, one of them, my oldest brother, he was just in love with bikes. He didn't, he didn't get off a bike from when he was like probably two years old, and mum and dad just went past. They went to, I can't remember where it's there. I think they went past the BMX track in Beanley. Um, and then they just sort of come and try they sign and then he fell in love with it and I think I was one or two at the time when he started and then he was I was just growing up at the track when he was racing and then I ended up getting into it along with my um, other brother and then yeah we fell in love with it and then a few years down the track the sisters my sisters started getting into it and then next thing you know yeah we were all into it and we were all racing at national and world levels and getting placings and stuff like that yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome story. Hey, look, let's give our listeners a bit of a feel of what they're going to see out there at Sleeman Centre this weekend because, as I've said, it, it is a World Cup meet. It's an official World Cup meet. The world's yeah. best are here. Yeah, so I was doing a little bit of... I believe I'm just doing a little bit of research and from my understanding, nearly... I think every single one of the Olympic medalists from... Uh, the Tokyo Olympic Games are actually competing at this event. So that just kind of shows the class of the riders. There's like riders like Nick Kinnan from the Netherlands, Stephanie Schreiber, they're both gold medal gold medalists. Mariana Pion, she's like a celebrity in the sport. She's three time a uh, two time gold medalist, one time silver medalist. There's Australia's Isaac Kennedy and Sayasataki Barra who have been Isaac Kennedy coming off an injury means really fast, and Sayasakaki Barra has been dominating lately and winning pretty much anything she can win. Um, and yeah, the racing, the level's just absolutely crazy at the moment. Um, and hey, Jesse, the level, what? The level's just crazy. What are the crucial basics of making it in BMX? That with just bike skill and um, just learning how to ride a bike, and that comes from just a young age of getting on a bike and just riding around with your friends or around the street. And then as you get older, it pretty much you take that professional switch to where you start getting in the gym and start putting more, applying applying yourself a bit more to your riding and getting a bit stronger so you can have that power to match the top guys. Pretty much it's, it's all like stepping stones, really. You start out with just like, start out like anyone. You just get on a bike and ride around. And the next thing you know, you go out and you're doing training on the street and then, Next thing you know, you're training 10 times a week for a World Cup coming up. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, we can't wait. There's a lot of excitement around this. We really appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck, Jesse, for the weekend. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate that. Jesse Asmus joining us there. The UCI BMX World Cup. It's in Brizzy. It's 24-25 of February, so it's very close. And Brisbane SX gets your tickets now. Unbelievable finish to the cricket last night. Chris Harris was calling it for SEN, and uh, the excitement levels in the cake tin must have been through the roof. Chris, good morning to you. Uh, it's it, it was really one of the great T20 internationals, wasn't it? 
Morning, Paddy. Yeah, absolutely was. I loved the first game of the series, especially against Australia and New Zealand, because it sets the trend, and, and that was just a phenomenal game of cricket. Uh, you know, there's been a, there's a few people over here talking about it being hit and giggle, but if, if that's hit and giggle cricket, I want more of it. I mean, that was a sensational game. Um, the batters dined out last night. The poor bowlers got hammered, <laughs> no matter what size you're on. Um, it was just a phenomenal game of cricket. Yep, and they, these two teams put it on all the time, Harry, don't they? Why why have we found a way not to play each other often enough? Jack Hills, great to hear you, mate. Get Last up, time mate. I was on you, I think you had COVID, straight to hear your voice. That's right, <laughs> um, I was away. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't play each other enough, but to no. be fair, I, I, was just, I was talking with Smithy this morning, actually, and um, I think we've been given four test matches in Australia, which is, is massive for us, and, and hopefully that's a sign that there's a little bit of... Um, Obviously, respect coming through for this New Zealand side and, and the quality of cricket they've played over a number of years now. So we certainly saw that as, you know, we're now sort of getting up there and, and, and getting pretty well respected from Australia. I mean, as you know, Hills, it's always a, a great battle between um, big and small cousins. Um, and yep. New Zealand always finds a way against Australia to, to try and compete. And, I mean, we've been in some doozies over the years. And last night was just another example of that. Unfortunately... It just finished on the right, wrong side of the ledger, from a yeah. young point of view anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mate, you blokes are unbelievable in our day. Just to follow on from that, you'd, you'd either take us right to the wire or beat us, and then next week you'd lose to um, the back blocks of Zambia. And, and we're going, oh, those bloody Kiwis, you know, so don't hard work. That Zambian side. Don't underrate that Zambian side. <laughs> yeah, it's just because we spend so much energy competing with you guys and come up with all these uh, elaborate plans and it just exhausts everyone. So we literally, for Australia, we leave everything out there and we've got, we've got nothing left for anybody else. Uh, you've obviously got a cunning plan, though, because you take us to Eden Park next where we don't win a game of sport ever. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's just the run fest is just going to continue. We're going to get another great wicket, and instead of having short square boundaries, we're going to have short straight boundaries. So what we're going to see from both bowling attacks, especially with the steamers, is uh, a lot more short stuff and getting guys to try and take on that short square boundaries. But, you know, there was when you look at the amount of runs that were scored last night and the quality of the bowling attack from both teams, I mean, that was some phenomenal batting. I mean, I, I thought all the quick bowlers were sensational. We saw Lockie Ferguson get up to 150. Mitch Stark looked good. Um, but all the bowlers, because of the batsmanship, were put under pressure at different times. Um, and even then, the go-to man for Australia, Zampner, who's been so good in this, in this T20 format, is literally, if the seamers aren't doing it, you can always rely on him. I mean, he got hit more than I've seen in a long time. So um, I just thought, as I said, from both sides, the batting on display was just next level. So, Harry, I reckon this game is you as well. Uh, I think you'd be uh, tremendously successful at this. But with with slow to medium type bowling and with your slow ball change-ups and directness at the stumps, what would be important for you to be successful and effective with the ball? I just think, Peels, you've got to be so accurate in this game and have, um, you know, plans and just you've got to, you've got to execute. I mean, yeah. I think almost sometimes now bowlers for me um, experiment too much. They, they sort of think too far ahead and they think, oh, right, I bowled a couple of on-pace deliveries, he's lined me up, which they perhaps have. But I think generally what we find is bowlers' variations get hit. And I think, um, you know, we saw even last night, I, I still don't think in T20 cricket there's enough 
death bowling for me. As you know, when you because you bat a lot at the end, if someone's bowling quick and they're bowling straight around off stump and that Yorker length, that for me personally was the hardest ball to try and find the boundary. If someone's bowling length or off pace, they're giving you the opportunity to get underneath the ball. Um, mm. And I think we're missing a trick. Because I thought that last over from Tim Southey um, was pretty good. He just missed a little bit full. But he bowled a couple of great Yorkers. And if you bowl a good Yorker, I still believe that's the hardest ball to hit. And I just don't see we see enough of that. Yeah. Um, and I just think the slow bowlers have just got to be, you know, supremely accurate. And if when they do bowl their variation, they've got to land it exactly where they want. But, yeah. you, I mean, how do you bowl to someone like Maxwell? Because you do that and then he just turns around and hits you left-handed. Yeah, and, and Tim David, for that matter. I mean, he's, what was he, 31 or 10 last night? He was the difference. I mean, Mitch Marsh was absolutely exceptional, not only with bat in hand, with ball in hand, and, and as captain, really. I mean, I think, you know, New Zealand at one stage was going to get 240. Um, so I think, you know, for, for a young captain, I, I thought under pressure, he did an exceptional job, bowled some tough overs and bowled superbly, and then, you know, played that match-winning innings. But Tim David, a bit more orthodox than Glenn Maxwell, yeah. just so much power. If you miss length, regardless of the field you set or the boundaries that you're playing with, he is going to send you out of the park. Those two yeah. sixes he hit off Adam Mill in the promotement over, for me, won the game for Australia, or at least put them in a position where, you know, they had a really good chance going into that last over to win. Uh, he was sensational. Hey, Chris, while I've got you, can you give us a, a quick summary of your thoughts on on Ravindra? I mean, we've been admiring from afar. This guy looks like he is out of the box. Yeah, he's next level, isn't he? It wasn't a, it wasn't a big name either Australia or New Zealand. Um, you know, you, you look back 18 months, you look at the World Cup, scored an amazing 100 against Australia, plus two others. So 300s in the World Cup on their own, it's enough to put you up in lights. Yeah. Um, got a reasonable good IPL contract, came back to New Zealand, got to go again in test cricket. I think playing his second or third test got 240, although it was against a slightly weakened South African setup. It was still a wicket that was doing a little bit, and you know they had some good, good, experienced first-class bowlers, um, and he just took them to the sword. And even last night, it just shows his maturity and experience. I think he was nine from twelve, and he really struggled at the start of the innings, but guts it out. And I think it was when Zampa came on, he had a couple of sixes, and he was away. He, he's a phenomenal talent in all formats, and he's going to be a player that, from a New Zealand perspective, we hope he continues to play like that and plays for a long time because he's... uh, And then you throw in the fact that he can bowl pretty handy left arm orthodox as well, uh, and he's good in the field. I mean, he's he's literally a a modern-day great all-rounder. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. That breakout six that he hit, that wasn't even that short. You're you're allowed to block that or hit it down the ground, weren't you? But it was a great atmosphere at the Cake Tin and it was talked about by the commentators and um, the the players that were mic'd up, um, which is great, eh? Because uh, Indian um, uh, people and commentary teams are talking about the atmosphere of those tests over there has improved. It seems to be very good for cricket. Oh, I think it was exceptional. I mean, that crowd last night, I think it was about, they didn't actually give the numbers, but we were told, led to believe it was about 23,000, and that's the biggest crowd um, at the Cape Town since 2015 quarterfinal of the World Cup where Martin Guptill scored a couple of hundred against West Indies. So, uh, yeah, and the atmosphere, we had the windows open and we were absorbed in it. It was actually quite hard to commentate because it was so loud. There was yeah. Even when they weren't yelling, there was just a constant buzz, and that, for me, is that atmosphere that you want, especially in that format. But, yeah, it's certainly... Um, what a way to start the series. It was just a phenomenal game of cricket, enjoyed by all that were there. 
and we just hope that that atmosphere, I'm sure it will continue at Eden Park because it was just so fun to be part of. Um, and the cricket at the end of the day was absolutely outstanding from both sides. Yeah, hey, I'll let you into a little secret. Heels is actually on a Bulls Masters trip up in Bundy at the moment and uh, he sat there and watched it last night with Greg Chappell and Alan Border. <laughs> oh, absolute legends of Australian cricket. Uh, there would have been some interesting conversations in that room. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, I don't know about interesting, but yeah, there were conversations. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were sort of going, oh, oh, you can't play that shot. Oh, they were amazed at, at the stroke play and the batsmanship that is emerging. And uh, I think this bowling. What about you, Harry? The the bowling will adjust very quickly. They'll be they'll be different attacks the way they are executing in two nights' time or tomorrow night. Yeah, both things. Both things absolutely. Hills will analyse that performance and look at. Um, you know, areas that they bowled where um, the opposition struggled a bit more, and I think we'll see not more discipline because, look, to be to be fair, I think they were forced into um, more variations than they'd like to bowl just because of the quality of um, of the hitting. Um, yeah. But like you said, just just those length balls that are the perfect top of off that you think, oh, he's not going to hit that. You know, guys are getting deep in the box and picking it up and like pulling it from a length. I mean, it's yep. just it's just brute force and just terrific batsmanship, and it's. It's going to be a tough series for the bowlers, but they very, very quickly need to find a way to adjust. And you know they're all quality players, and they will. And they'll analyse that last performance, and they'll come up with a plan to try and be better for the next one. Brilliant to chat, Chris. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Harry. Guys, it's always a pleasure. Great to talk to you both. That New Zealand cricket legend, Chris Harris. First uh, New Zealander, 250 ADI, so he knows his white ball game. And uh, they watched something pretty special last night, even though the Kiwis came out on the wrong end of it. They scored three for 215, which, as I said early, Heels, that was the seventh highest score Australia has conceded in this format. And the Australians chased them down. Tim David needing a four off the last ball, four for 216. They get the money. They go one up in the three-match series. Still got tests to play. Uh, Mitch Marsh, uh, very, very happy at the end of it, as you would expect. Super Rugby season about to kick off. It doesn't get much bigger. The rematch of the 2023 final between the Crusaders and Chiefs. 3.30 Queensland time. And then, of course, that mega Reds-Tars interstate clash on Saturday night, 6.30. The only place to watch every match of the Super Rugby Pacific season ad-free, live and on demand is on the home of rugby, Stand Sport, where you will hear the dulcet tones of one of the greatest wallabies ever, Tim Horn. Good morning, Timmy. G'day, Paddy. G'day, Heels. How are you, boys? Um, yeah, it's nice to speak to you in Brisbane, Paddy, not over in Leon or Paris or somewhere. <laughs> yes, where you were leaving some exotic restaurant after a beautiful little <laughs> bottle of Shiraz or something. Exactly. You were made us yeah. very jealous. Bordeaux and snow uh, no, It's good to be back. It's, uh, I tell you what, it was a nice time over there. And you realise how big rugby is globally when you go to a rugby world cup and yeah. Spain and Portugal and Georgia, all these sides, and how the supporters that they have around the world. And um, oh, we all know how big AFL and, of course, NRL is in Australia. But um, yeah, hopefully we can give some fans, rugby fans, some hope this year with the Wallabies, but also Super Rugby. Well, you've got a cracker round one starting off with the, the grand final rematch Crusaders and Chiefs. Oh, it's huge, isn't it? I was in um, New Zealand last week for the launch of this Super Rugby season. I had all 12 captains in Auckland, and, and I had a bit of a chat to the Chiefs, and, and, and also, you know, I think the Auckland, the Blues will be going to be very hard to beat this year from New Zealand. But the Chiefs, yeah, this rematch against the Crusaders is, is huge. The Chiefs, I think it was round one 
last year where they beat the Crusaders in Christchurch, and this time it's up up in Hamilton. So, yeah, it's going to be huge. Those those two teams, of course, in the final last year, and and the Chiefs were virtually undefeated until the Queensland Reds beat them. I think the second or third last game um, in the competition, and um, yeah, we're, we're you know hands down we're going to win the grand final, and the Crusaders got them at the end. So yeah, can't wait for this one tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, and Saturday, 7.05 at Suncorp. It's Queensland, New South Wales, mate. Like, how is the, the Les Kiss style going to be seen by everyone? Yeah, Hills, I think, um, you know, I've had a couple of chats to Les. I've interviewed him, saw him a couple of weeks ago. They had a trial going out in Roma, which was, you know, three and a half, four thousand people to that game, which was great for the country area and against New South Wales. They beat New South Wales really well that day. But, yeah, Les, talking to him, he understands the foundation that, you know, Brad Thorne had, has put in place with this young team at the Reds, and but it was reasonably forward dominated. Uh, I think he, people would look at it, fans would look at it, and now what Les is doing is he's giving these backs an opportunity to spread the ball wide and and play with some width in their game. So um, you know he hasn't got too many instructions for them. He's got them pretty fit. Um, Hada Paisami at number twelve is going to be really important for the Reds this year. If he can stay fit. He's sort of their driving force in that back line that'll get them across the advantage line. So heels, I think, I think he'll bring a a different style, a different pattern to the Reds this year. Um, but you know, certainly you need you need a fit team and you need to get through those first four or five rounds by only probably losing one game to try and. You know, they've got to try and finish top four this year. Yeah. Okay, so we got we know we've got no James O'Connor for the first four or five rounds through injury. He's decided at 10 will be the son of the gun, Tom Liner. Yeah, and he's probably gone with a bit more experience because there was a lot of talk that the 19-year-old Harry McLaughlin Phillips from my old club, Souths in Brizzy, he'd been in the Australian under-20s the last couple of years and big raps on him. He's had a couple of trial games, so... He sits on the bench. So, yeah, Tom Liner played a few matches last year for for the Reds. So he, he understands the enormity of, you know, playing against New South Wales. And, and I think Michael Liner's out here this week to see his young oh, fella play, yeah, which is great. He's coming out from London. So, um, yeah, I think what Les has done is said, OK, I'll put the 19-year-old on the bench, give him some time. He's got a big career ahead of him and just ease him into it. So, um, yeah, but some great opportunity for, for Tom Liner. He's a, a wonderful goal kicker as well. Yeah, excellent. Now, the New South Wales team, mate, they look reasonably new to me. You know, the halves, Edmed and Peach, is that his name? Um, nine and ten. Um, of course, Isaiah Parisi go, goes back to them um, and then playing for New South Wales. So what are we expecting? Yeah, well, um, Jake Gordon is a, is a scrum half heels. Um, Dylan Peach, he's on the wing, so he's a wonderful player. Um, and then Tane Edmed... <laughs> He's the son of um, Ed Meadow, used to play Steve. at the Belmain Tigers many, many years ago. So, so Tane, wonderful player. So, yeah, they're a, I, when I saw them play in Roma two weeks ago, they're a really big forward pack, probably one of the biggest forward packs, I reckon, mm. going around in the competition. So, um, they got Lockie Swinton, um, who'll play as well, so in the forward. So, you know, I think that for the Waratahs, the only thing that scares me about the Waratahs is their first five rounds. And, um, you know, we as broadcasters of Stan Sport and Channel 9, you want the Waratahs to be successful. But the yeah. first five rounds is really tough. They got some massive games away against New Zealand teams, a couple of Australian teams away. So we, we just hope that you, you could go five rounds with the Waratahs. They could be... You know they might only pick up one match in the first five rounds, so so for them on Saturday night's pretty important against the Reds. 
Hey, what do you know about this second row? They're saying he's the biggest since Skelton in a Tars jersey. Was it Miles oh. Abato Zero? 125 Zero, yeah. He, 125 Ks yeah. and 203 <laughs> centimetres. That is a big oh, human. He's only, I think he's only 21 or 22. So he's <laughs> he obviously played in Australia, went over to France and, and played um, a couple of seasons in the French competition for Clermont. So that that's a really tough competition. And so hopefully what he's bringing back to the Waratahs is a bit of size, a bit of strength, a bit like Will Skelton was back at the Waratahs years ago. But they've been lacking in that second row department for the Tars for the last couple of years. So, yeah, he's a big boy. And um, as I said, I saw him play in Roma and he, he can he can swap players away. So, um, yeah, they'll, they'll need him to stand up. And, yeah, they've got some good players. Of course, Isaiah Parisi in the centres is, yeah. is back for the Waratahs. So, yeah, they'll need to start. Hey, tell me, mm. I gathered from the, the Reds launch the other day was that I was at, the, the, there was a given that Alex Hodgman was going to be up front for the Reds, the former All Black. Obviously, what he's done in the in the preseason has impressed everyone down at Ballymore. Yeah, and I think that, you know, what Les Kiss has done has got a couple of, you know, players, experienced players, because and I don't think we can, you know, the Reds can't use that excuse that they're young anymore. They they might be still young, you know, your Fraser Nick Wrights and those type of players are still early, mid-20s, a lot of them, but they're experienced in game time. So you look at Harry Wilson, he's been there for four or five years now. So yeah. I don't think they can use that young... Queensland team, you know, mantra anymore, and that's why Les has got you know Alex Hodgman and these players who are who are really experienced players in Super Rugby and have played for the All Blacks and understand the game to have that poise and that measured, you know, mindset in those really tough situations. And um, I've never really been a fan of co-captains, Paddy either. Like yeah. you got Liam Wright, Tate McDermott, co-captains, but. You know that that's what Les wants, and you know I think that probably spreads the load, and um, you know they probably toss a coin to see who runs out first. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean the lines have gone that way as well, haven't they? With with Lockie and Harris Andrews. I mean Harris at the back mm. and Lockie leading up the front. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean I get I get the vice that if you had two vice captains, I get that because yeah. you know if the captain does, it's obviously there's different there's you know concussion protocols these days as well, and players have to leave the field and someone else has to take over. So. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out as well. I had a good chat with Liam Wright the other day and we did a bit of an interview with him out at the East Rugby Club where, you know, his getaway from rugby is jumping on the, the big lawnmower out there and, and helping um, mow East Rugby Club ground. Oh, so, um, But he, he's fit, he's strong, he's, he's put on about five or six kgs in the off-season with a, had a shoulder reconstruction, so he looks pretty fit. Hey, Timmy, just very quickly, um, this stand is releasing the documentary about the our doomed World Cup campaign under Eddie Jones. I see Eddie Jones is not going to watch it, but uh, what can you tell us about it? And uh, do we learn much of what happened in that campaign? Yeah, it launches tonight on stand. And we, um, well, you know, obviously being over there at the Rugby World Cup in that sort of eight-week period and seeing what happened, but even the lead-up, like, well, you get quite excited watching Eddie Jones early when he... And there's not much of it outside the World Cup, but when they nearly beat the All Blacks in Dunedin, they're up. I think it was 17 nil at half time, yeah. and and everyone got quite excited. And to go to the World Cup and have the disappointment against Fiji early, to see what happened to Carter Gordon, how he gets dropped. They talked to Carter Gordon, talked to James Slipper a lot, experienced player, but what he thought. And then, but I think the most disappointing thing is, and and boys, we always talk about you know the, the pub test, and I think what disappointed a lot of Wallaby fans 
what, and people had saved a lot of money to go over there and be part of it, but also back in Australia watching, was that when Eddie Jones, when this rumour started about his Zoom meeting with Japanese rugby, when you're in a, a four-year contract yeah. to coach the Wallabies, the national team, and then six months into that contract, you go and try and look potentially for another job. I think rugby fans don't didn't like that and yeah. you know when it became true and all of a sudden now he's co- coaching the Japanese team it just doesn't stack up and I think that's the biggest disappointment of yes we lost to Wales and you know fans walked out with 20 minutes to go Aussie fans with you know jerseys on and scarves on so that was a big disappointment so they get behind the scenes and see what Eddie was talking about and how also the players react yeah, you're right. It had a stench about it, and uh, yeah, Stan are going to reveal it all. Hey, great to chat. We really appreciate your time. We're going to hear your dulcet tones, as I said, right the way through the season on Stan, and we can't wait. Reds and Tars, Saturday night. Yeah, good on you, Paddy. Good on your heels. Nice to chat, boys. Thanks, Timmy. Uh, we're excited. I hope our listeners are excited, and I know Jamin Jolliffe will be excited as well because he's back in action. After a, a tough season last year with the injuries, Jamin, I bet you're looking forward to it, mate. Morning, guys. Yes, yes, definitely looking forward to it. We've just come through a very tough pre-season and, uh, you know, footy's back and we're all just excited to put the jersey on again. All right. The, the obvious question, tell us what a pre-season has been like under Des Hasler. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a question I get asked a lot. Um, it's been extremely difficult. Um, <laughs> he holds a very high standard and... Uh, it's just it's just been full on, and um, you know, like obviously, we've all spoken about it. That our defence it hasn't been up to standard, so that's been the focus. And um, yeah, I think Des has really has really uh, taken a, a tough approach to the boys. Uh, we're a young squad, and it's been a bit of a punch in the face um, and an eye opener. But um, it has been a good preseason, and everyone's bought in, and it's definitely been tough. But I think uh, you know, I think we're definitely going to be a lot better off for it. Yes, you you feel the progress, and maybe some of that hard work is now quite enjoyable. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you just got to train yourself to get used to it. Um, you know, obviously, in times there where we'd be on our trial line last year, you know, we couldn't go back to back sets without conceding points. But you know, if you keep working on it and change your mentality, you know, you do begin to enjoy it. So. Um, yeah, look, we, we've done the training and it's been it's been extremely tough and, you know, we've got a really strong 13 going into this weekend, a really strong 17, 18, sorry, going into this weekend. So we're hoping we can put it together and, um, yeah, show show the Gold Coast that, that we're here this year and we're fair income. Now, we are hearing that there is a sense of humour underneath that uh, sometimes gruff exterior of the coach. Yeah, there, there is, and I, I don't even know if he means to do it. To be honest, uh, he just just a little throw off line there, here or there that just gets a laugh out of the boys. Um, but yeah, no, mate, he's he's terrific. Um, he's very serious when it comes to the football, but but away from that, you know, he, he's good for a chat and he can have a laugh. And um, yeah, but as soon as as soon as you know the footy caps on, yeah, there's no joking around. Uh, um, Mate, honestly, he's so different to anything I've experienced. Um, but, yeah, everyone's really enjoying him. Um, and I, I think he's the kind of bloke that can get the best out of people, yeah. Good stuff. Hey, last week, Jamin, there's a bit of conjecture over the need for trial matches in rugby league. How, how do you find them? It sounds like you, you've got a few things you want to work on this weekend. Oh, mate, yeah, you definitely need them. Obviously, you do play a lot of football um, throughout the season, but you do need them because... 
Uh, at the end of the day, you, you train in pre-season, you, you pull on the jerseys and, and run a post sessions against each other. But, you know, they are your teammates and they, you do know what's coming. You train together, you know the plays, you know the shapes. So, um, you know, these these uh, trial games just give you a chance to, to come up against people who don't know, you know, what you what you bring in. So, um I think they're definitely needed, and it, and it's definitely needed as well to give uh, young players an opportunity to to try their hand against you know seasoned NRL players and and see whether they're you know up to the task. Um, yeah. You know, just our, our boys last weekend, we had a very young squad come up against a strong Dolphins team and put their best foot forward, and I thought they went really well. Yeah, we had Jimmy Lanahan uh, on, and he, he just said, look, that's a reward for the kids and what they've done through the summer. But it's fair dinkum stakes against the Eels this Sunday afternoon out at North Ipswich Reserve. That's a 4 o'clock match. Um, so let's talk about some of the, the major changes. AJ into the centres, this excitement machine, Keanu Keeney at fullback. You've basically got Bo Firma back as, as a born-again footballer, haven't you, after he's missed almost a year? Yeah, yeah, there are quite a few changes. Um, now obviously, having Bo back's a big one. He's uh, He's been there day dot pre-season, so he's had a full pre-season under his belt. Uh, he'll be flying, and, you know, he hasn't played football in 12 months, so um, it, it's really exciting to have him back because I think he's a he's a origin-quality back rower, so he, he's really going to add to us. And then, you know, Kay going to fullback and Brimo in the centres, uh, you know, Brimo... He's uh, he's really taken to that role, and to be honest, he's probably been you know one of our our best trainers in preseason. Um, he's got a real good understanding uh, in that centre position and on how to defend, and and he's also got a real good connection with Phil Sami. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And um, Kay, obviously, we we seen him play last year, and he's he's just one of those fullbacks. He's like Jaden Campbell. They just wherever they pop up, they're just they're creating something, and they're explosive and they're dynamic and. Um, yeah, mate, he's he's going to be terrific for us. But you're part of a pack that is is very very potent, and you know the obvious omission there is Dave Fafita, who's coming back from uh, his injury. Uh, you throw him back in there, and that's boy, that's you know you keep you all fit. That is a pack to be content contended with this year. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the big thing is is keeping everyone fit, strong, and healthy. Um, you know, we, we do get Dave back soon, but we've also got, um, you know, obviously Keenan's come in and he's had great preseason. And uh, coming from the Broncos, he's um, he's been really good. So, look, hopefully we can keep everyone injury injury free this year, and and we can start to build, you know, some good connections in the middle. And I think that'll help us go a long way. And first up, it seems you're up against a very good forward pack too. So, what are you expecting from the Eels at Ipswich? Well, we expect them to be aggressive. Um, they love to play through the middle. They love an offload. Um, you know, and when you get down on the trial line, they love a barge over. So, yeah, we've got to take them head on. We've got to be physical with them um, and just meet them front on, I guess. You know, if we can control their middle and, and control field position, you kind of take Moses and Gutherson, blokes like that, out of the game. So, that's a big job for us this weekend is, is really sort of limiting the metres and the offloads of their middles. Hey, mindset down there. I mean, we know the Bronx came through that, you know, the awful disappointment of a grand final loss. What's the mindset coming off a, a season that could have been better for the Titans? Oh, our mindset's just be better, especially defensively. Um, you know, a lot of times last year, we caused a lot of trouble for ourselves purely because of our, uh, our defence. 
um, in our field position. We we never seem to play the game in the opposition's half. Um, so we've we've completely switched our mentality. Our whole preseason was based on our defence, um, and it was every session was a theme on what we had to nail. And and Des was really harsh on that. And you know, like um, he, he's good for a blow up, and it was real confronting for a lot of blokes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's all mentality and, and effort uh, in your defence. Um, I, I think everyone would agree we've got some of the best attack in the world, but we were just never in the right positions of the field. So. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all just defence. If we can put ourselves in better positions with the ball, I think we'll be fine. But it's just it, it all comes back to to being more aggressive, more urgent with our defence for sure. Yes, and the one criticism say of the Titans has been the ability to do it for eighty minutes. Does that get addressed, you know, specifically, or is that defence going to make you a different team that won't have those issues? No, yeah. Look, we never spoke about that um, okay. because at the end of the day, our, our laps is in that second. We've always uh, we've always been good with the ball, and we could get points and we could be competitive. But as the game sort of wore on and fatigue started to kick in a lot more, we'd fall away with our defence, which would lead to these lapses. So yes, you know, we haven't spoken about the second half. It's just, in general, it's just been uh, all about defence um, and improving that that area. So. Um, it's not. It's not anything we're worried about. Um, but also, as well, we, we were very unfortunate last year with quite a few injuries. So um, it, we we are we're very focused on trying to keep players on the field. Um, and yeah, hopefully that that can help address sort of that issue. Hey, you mentioned uh, just briefly in that chat that uh, you've obviously got Keenan Palace here. He's come down the M1 to join you. He's he's back home to a certain extent. Um, impressive, hey. Yeah, no, he is. He's great. He's uh, he's a real workhorse. He's got uh, good ball playing as well, and and he's been building really good combinations with the other boys. So, um, and he's really he's really switched on as well. He's brought a brought a lot a lot of knowledge. I think uh, you know in a lot of video sessions he's he's talking up and he's he's talking to the younger boys. And um, obviously, you know, he's played in a grand final team, and he was he was in a strong outfit last year, and you know he, he was alongside. You know, blokes like Payne and that, and he was he was getting through a lot of work. So he's super valuable coming down, um, and he just adds another big body as well. All right, mate. As usual, you're so generous with your time. There's only one question left to be asked. We're sitting here surrounded on Members' Day here at SEN, surrounded by Titans merchandise in the studio. The one thing I see is obviously missing. I've got a Tino and I've got a Preston Campbell bobblehead. I don't have a Jamin uh, Jolliffe bobblehead yet. When's that coming? <laughs> Oh, mate, I'd love one. My old man's been asking me, he's like, you getting the bobblehead this year? Surely you're getting one. I don't know. You know what? People probably don't want my bobblehead. That'd be a bit rough to look at every day. So, Uh, (laughs) the pretty boys on there. Right, well, we're in bed with the marketing department, obviously, today, mate, so we'll push for a Jamin Jolliffe bobblehead. Uh, please do. My family would love it. All right, mate. Hey, brilliant to chat as usual. Uh, as as we all know, no one's lost a game at this stage, but you've got a, a big trial. It's this Sunday afternoon. It's North Ipswich Reserve, Titans v Yields, and they're all out at full strength. You're going to see the very best of the best. Get out there and watch them and support them. Thanks, Jamin. Thanks, Jamin. Good on you guys. Thanks. All right, Supercars Championship starts this weekend with the Bathurst 500 at Mount Panorama. The grid will be without reigning champ Brody Kostecki. 
uh, and the three-time champion, Shane Van Gisbergen. So there's a fair bit of star power missing from the grid this weekend. The talk us through from Speed Cafe, Brett Crusher, Murray. Crush, great to have you on, on the show. But, yeah, look, we are lacking a bit of star power, aren't we, to be fair? Yeah, we are lacking a bit of star power, but I guess uh, in some instances that makes it a bit more interesting um, depending on how you look at it. Um, great to have the champion there, obviously, and uh, we'll frame you to go back to 2015, I think, to find a champion in uh, in winter bottom. But, um, yes, I guess that opens the door up for uh, someone else to become the champion this season, and uh, it all starts this weekend with a decent result at Mount Panorama. Well, we spent a lot of oxygen on it. Just give us the update on, on what you're hearing about Brody Kostecki and where the whole situation is with he and Erebus. Well, I think just uh, it's a bit of status quo. Obviously, uh, Erebus uh, actually named a, a naming rights sponsor for the two cars today in temporary fencing high, Queensland-based company. Um, so they've sort of uh, filled some space on the car. Obviously, I wouldn't have thought that deal was worth as much as... Um, uh, what's gone astray because of the way everything went down. Um, so they'll get on and doing what they're doing. And Brody, uh, I think the thing, who, who, if it's not in mediation now, we'll be going here very shortly, I would, I would suspect. And hopefully the whole thing will be cleaned up in one way or one way or another. Yeah, rightio. They, they have gone a bit quiet. Um, tips, do you, who do you think? Does, does it come into Red Bull's uh, wheelhouse, this, this 500 now at Bathurst? Oh, definitely heels. Um, they're obviously the team to beat. They've set a benchmark for so many, so many years, and um, you know Brody managed to get under their guard last year yeah. uh, and then collect that championship, which was a, which was a great result, probably a very good thing for the sport. But Brock Feeney, um, terrific young talent, terrific, terrific young guy, great family, uh, and just so focused on what he's doing. Will Brown, who was Kostecki's teammate, Erebus, comes across. And will be making his official debut for the team. So they're the two that'll certainly be uh, the guys to watch. But there's plenty of others around them that have, you know, got a chance. I think uh, Chaz Moss did it at uh, Wilmington and Dreda United. I think he, um, you know, if they can give him the car uh, that he deserves, um, will be right there in the hunt. He keeps his head down, plugging away. Ken Walters has got to be right there as well. Um, yeah, there's plenty of talk about him wanting um, NASCAR aspirations as well and uh, trying to put his stuff together. But certainly um, those four, I would think. Um, you know, you've got DJR down the road. You've got uh, Andre and Will Davison are going to be in the mix. So just depending on, and it's going to come down to the parity thing too, with whether they've got this, you know, this Ford up to speed with um, with the Camaro and uh, and how competitive they're going to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, from the, the super supercar superpowers saying this is the year where we won't be mentioning the P word. Uh, no parity. We, we've spent seven figures on trying to sort these problems out, taking them over to America for wind tunnel testing and all that sort of thing. Do you believe that that is going to be the case? Well, you can only hope so. Uh, Paddy, um, you know, I mean, we hadn't spoken about parity, uh, you know, since Lakeside in 1996 or something before yeah. all this, you know, stuff started happening. Um, and it's a thing that can, you know, can really drag you down. And that was mainly based on tyre usage back then. Um, now, you know, you've got this whole whole issue. Um, you know, I think there's a few mistakes made on both sides of the fence in regards to, you know, the manufacturer and the championship. Um, hopefully they've got that thing sorted out. Um, it's something they're saying is the aero... He's good to go. They've still got a few things they're working on um, behind the scenes. Um, and I think, uh, you know, to say that, oh, we'll come out and everything will be rosy after the weekend, I think is, um, you know, a bit of a 
a pretty major wish, especially the place like Bathurst with you know a couple of you know certainly a very very high long speed straight, sort of like nothing else else in the championship. So um, each track's going to provide its own set of um, uh, dynamics, uh, and it'll be interesting to see um, who's got what where. Yeah, okay, mm. yeah. You're not not, uh, not particularly uh, fond of criticism. I, I was interested in reading Roland Dane's spray of of the the his favourite race, which is the 12-hour Bathurst, and I was interested to hear that. Um, a little bit of technical overreach, uh, the sporting rules that standardise stuff and take a bit of creativity and strategy away, and then the safety system, the full-course yellow, uh, they they made some additions to it before they'd even tried the original uh, model. Is that is that all fair about the arrogance of those organisers? Well, first of all, Heels, it's great that you're a regular speed cafe reader now, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> he's, um, he's across speed cafe all the time, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's spot on. I think the race of the weekend, um, you know, was was a. You know, really, really solid race, but had the makers have been something very, very special that mm-hmm. turned into a bit of a bit of a bus stop deal with the way that they'd rolled out the regs, and I think they messed around with it too much. The great thing about having Roland on, on board is, you know, we we haven't had a lot of opinion on the side over the years because, you know, I'm under the belief that unless you've been doing it 20 or 30 years, no one really cares about your opinion. That was yeah. my opinion. Um, and you've got someone like Roland who brings a wealth of experience and knowledge. Uh, to the table, so it's great to have his foresight. He's not always right. Don't tell him that. Um, but um, you know, he uh, he's got an opinion in it. Um, it certainly gets the fans up and talking, and you know, get, gets the interaction that we need for the sport, as every sport needs. Yeah. Hey, just uh, there's motorsport action all over the world. I know Speed Cafe is right across it, but. George from Logan just texted through. F1 testing started yesterday in Bahrain. Surprise, surprise. Max, 1.1 seconds a lap faster than everyone. Race for oh. second again this year. Um, yeah, there's been further today. Daniel Ricciardo there and thereabouts. Oscar Piastri there and thereabouts as well. But right at the moment, and I know these don't count for much crush, do they? I mean, they're, they're more about, you know, reliability and car setup, et cetera, but... It looks like the Dutchman, uh, who's been untouchable the last few years, may well be untouchable again in this RB20. Well, he's definitely the one to beat, Paddy. Um, there's no doubt about that. And uh, I think they're just drawing a bit of a line in the sand going, well, well there you go, boys. There's something, something for you to chase. <laughs> um, the guys have, uh, you know, they're all working on their own programs. But, you know, when you get a bit of a time like that, you know, does it is it designed just to screw with their heads a bit? And... Uh, and just put them on notice, I think it probably is. Um, and whether, you know, they take that off the ball or what their own programs are because they're worried about what everyone else is doing, that's the question. The idea is to try and keep everyone as focused as you can, working on your own program, working on your own updates and what the new cars are going to do and how they're going to do it. I mean, they spend an awful, awful amount of time and money and, and you know, people power. I mean, some of those factories, you've got 700 people back in the factory working on these things night and day. That's not what you see at the circuit, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, and it's it's quite interesting that you can put that much energy in, and capital into something and be, you know, so far off the pace as some of those guys in the back. But anyway, we'll see uh, how that all evolves over the next uh, next few weeks. Hey, listen, while we've got you, I want to mention this ultimate Indy 500 prize that the Speed Cafe is involved in. This is an unbelievable trip. If you, if you love your motorsport, this is just a must, isn't it? Give us a few details, Crash. 
Uh, yeah, Paddy. Well, uh, Pertech uh, came up with this concept a few years ago. So Vincent's Hospital and the, uh, the Ped Duncan Neuroscience Research Centre, um, they're their number one charity. So they said, oh, how can, we, how can we go about raising some money for these guys? So we've actually done it to Bathurst for the last three years. We've yeah. created the ultimate prize where you could go there, I'd host them, and, and basically doesn't matter who you are, you'd be the Prime Minister. It wouldn't matter. You couldn't have a better experience than than what we created at Bathurst. So, you know, you're in race control, you're on top of the buildings, you're at the museum, you've got VIP experiences, you've got track experiences, you've got a ride in the car, you've got all these things. So um, that sort of goes from May through to September and uh, is drawn and then the winners go to Bathurst. We said, okay, well, what, what could we do that could enhance that and keep this thing going 12 months a year? So basically, Pertec got a great relationship with uh, Team Penske. obviously had... Uh, Ownership of DJR there for a while in partnership. Yep. So we created this uh, prize to the Indianapolis 500, which is the end of May. So basically it's return airfares, accommodation. Um, you get the uh, police escort to the track. You meet Scott McLaughlin, Will Power. You've got 1000 bucks spending money. You've got hospitality. You're on the track before the race. Um, Lee Diffie, a great Australian commentator, as you know, yep. um, give you a tour of the NBC compound. We get to go up on top of the pagoda, race tickets. Um, you know, and there's, and then I'm your personal host, which obviously Paddy's the main uh, target. That's the here. main draw card, and, of course it is. And uh, and basically, um, I'll then go and open a heap, heap of more doors. That's my plan, um, but not, not on the list. But as opportunities come, there'll be drivers and teams and experiences and all these things that you get to be. You know, you know, it's twenty bucks a ticket. You know, for twenty bucks, you know, to be in the draw for that. Um, is uh, you know, and you got a few better odds than uh, than, than Lotto. So, uh, ultimatemotorsportprize.com. dot uh, com. It closes on Monday this Monday at five o'clock, and the winner will be drawn. Uh, and then they've got a month or so to get themselves organised, and uh, we'll put the whole program together. And I'll come along and have the, one of the greatest uh, times of the ride. We claim it as the ultimate motorsport prize. But we don't we don't believe there's a better one in world motorsport. The Bathurst one's been fantastic. We've had three great winners. Uh, of that over the years, and this one will be the first one. And uh, there's certainly no other way you could do the Indy 500 better. Brilliant, mate! It's uh, it's fantastic. UltimateMotorsportPrize.com. Get on there now. Spend your 20 bucks, and uh, the best 20 bucks you'll spend today. Crush. Thank you. We've got to get to a break. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, boys.